2: Coming up after uh, this segment, uh, Matt Vernaram will uh, join us. We'll uh, recap the uh, Super Bowl. Highly entertaining second half. And, you know, what's next? And uh, the question uh, we're going to give, Connor is going to send it to Matt now so he has some time to think about it. Who is going to be the big overhyped, overpaid free agent this year that everyone's like, oh, yeah, look at, and then doesn't live up to it? Happens all the time, man. Every year in every sport. There's one team that's fixated on a player and like this is the guy. He's really gonna help us, gets paid a lot, and you're just like do doo waiting, 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 and it never comes to fruition. It's uh it's never good. Never good. Hey Gregor, did Kane not score on Perry's rebound versus LA? Is that not the definition of a continuation of play that counts as a goal from uh, Coach Mike. Uh, nope. Um, the uh, orders got shut out, my man. And uh, I, I didn't see any any play in that game where I thought that that was a goal that should have counted. So, no. Um, that line played well, though. I, I thought they had a really good weekend, the uh, the three of them. Uh, Anaheim, they were clearly their best line. And not just with the goals, just you know how they kind of dominated the whole game. And... Uh, against the Kings, they, they had some really good chances. They just couldn't finish at all. Hey, Gregor, Wayne Gretzky loved Gordy Howe, but didn't ever see him throw an elbow from Mike. Mike, excellent. Excellent. Example. Right? Wayne Gretzky, who's his favorite player? Gordy Howe. Did he play at all like Gordy Howe? No, he saw Gordie Howe deliver elbows. I wasn't hit. that's not how he could play. But he respected it cuz he loved it. There's nothing wrong with that. How many guys were huge fans of Mark Messi? didn't go around delivering vicious elbows. So, that's why I don't I don't I don't think if if your reasoning to want to crack down hard on Morgan Riley is because for the kids, I think you're uh you're oversimplifying it. And uh and really being somewhat uh too much hyperbole in that in that suggestion. So
1: And Craig, hasn't everyone kinda said like we're good with it until it's the shot to the head? Like I don't think too many people are out there telling their kids this is what you do. Like it's yeah, it's good to stand up for your team, it's good to go say something, but maybe not the shot to the head. Sure, exactly. Like everyone's kinda yeah. everyone's kinda universally said, You don't need to do that part. The rest of it's great, but you don't need to do that part.
2: Yeah. So no, that's why I don't I'm going to be very curious what the suspension is. That should be our next guess for people at 833-401-1440. How many games do you think he gets? Realistically. And and then you could follow up by how many you think he should get. What do you think he's going to get? First answer. How many games should he get? I'm a double fill in the blank. Riley will get blank. I think he deserves blank, eight three three four one fourteen forty. I I think we'll have a, a wide array of uh, varying opinions on that. Hey, Greg, I'm on the fence about what happened in the game Saturday. Kind of okay, except for stick placement. I'm curious, if your opinion would be different if it was your nephew that took the hit, Phil? Well, no, Phil wouldn't be different at all. I just said I had no issue with everything except to the uh, uh, putting the uh, the cross check to his chops. But I can tell you. My nephew, hey, I wish at times was more of a rat. He doesn't play that way. He wouldn't have never have lined it up for a slap shot. It's just not, that's not in his DNA. He doesn't play that way. And I'm sorry, don't don't ever give me the, well, I would act different because it was my nephew. Never once. Not at all. I had no problem with what Greg did because that's in his personality. That's the type of guy he is. He likes to agitate. And that's what agitators do. They agitate. It worked perfect. I don't think anyone can debate that. He got exactly what he wanted. He got the reaction he wanted. And uh, had my nephew done it, and a guy came over and hit him like that, especially because he's not hurt, it wasn't even that hard. But I would have said the same thing. Don't cross-check him in the head. If Morgan Riley would have cross-checked him in the shoulder, in the elbow, whatever, wouldn't be even a discussion. No one would be freaking out. And, and if anybody actually think Morgan Riley went over there with the intention to cross check the guy in the head, hasn't really watched Morgan Riley play. Like, how often does he ever get mad? Right? I think what happens is when guys who aren't overly physical try to be physical, that's what happens. A guy who delivers, do you think, like Chris Pronger, when he cross checked you in the head, I'm going to say it was on purpose. Because he cross-checked guys every game, multiple times. Right in the lower back, right in the shoulder, different air, and you were loud. And trust me, when he wanted it to be not there, it was done there. When you have guys like a Morgan Riley, who I'd like to know when was the last time he was even remotely angry at someone and, you know, tried to get his, you know, pound of flesh. It's like when you see guys who know how to fight, And guys who are fighting because they're mad but don't know how to fight, the results are very different. Right? Morgan Riley was someone who who obviously was upset. But isn't somebody who goes around delivering cross checks and didn't really know, hey, man, I got to start lower here because by the time I get there, my stick's probably going to be higher. So. Hey, guys, Riley should get four. Or no, he'll get four. He should get two from Al. Kathy says he should get one. But he's going to get three. Kathy, I like your style. God, I think it's going to be. I, I think he, honestly, I think he should get two. I think he's going to get five. Same person hearing. Now that doesn't mean it's going to be five, but man, that's what uh, that's where I come out on it, and uh, I don't like it. Like I'd be fine with a two-game suspension because you got to be in control of your stick, and you shouldn't cross-check with that fine. It wasn't that vicious. He's clearly not injured. You have no past history. There's lots of reasons why this should be a two-gamer. I know, well, guys, Perron got six. Yeah, well, Perron went after a guy who did nothing. Innocent bystander. Totally different. No one's going to sit here and tell me that Greg was innocent. He knew exactly what he was doing. And that's okay. I don't mind what he did. So just remember that, because the orders have some players. Evander Kane... Corey Perry, the Oilers, there will be times when you are discussing the Oilers rat factor here this year. Make no mistake about it. Right? Clean cost last year. He had it. It's great. I wish Vinnie Deharnay had a little bit more of it. God, when you're that big, it'd be unreal. Be a little bit of the bully around on the ice. Why not? You're six foot seven. Like 99% of the league can't even reach your head. Well, maybe not 99%. That's a little exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Hey, Gregor. <laughs> Riley should get a fine and a stern talking to. He will get five, which is laughable. I've been in the men's league the same way. I got a beer, he got nothing. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, the slap shot was sneaky, but I love Perry now, and Marchand's a legend. Riley deserves two games, but he will get six. From Jeremy. You're probably right, man. Hey, Gregor. If you'd have done that with time left on the clocks, the Leafs would have ended up in the power play from Big Sam. Big Sam. I know there's a lot of people, oh, the Leafs get away with everything. Did you know the Leafs have actually had more players suspended than any of their team here in the last five years? And guess who it's been? Morgan Riley, Austin Matthews. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, they went out like Reeves hasn't been suspended. So it is kind of funny when people suggest. And actually, if you go look at how many power plays Toronto gets, they're usually near the bottom of the league. So any suggestion that the Leafs actually get a lot of calls, there's actually all the data will say that that's incorrect. So you shouldn't repeat it. I, I wouldn't be repeating it. So. Going to get uh, five. He should get three from Bud Baker. Hey guys, I have less than an issue with the disrespectful slapper who was on Tio home ice, but since it was in Ottawa, I ask what's Riley defending. He's annoyed. Win the damn game. Well, why would it matter if you're you're, you're def- I, I don't think home or away. It's I'm interesting thought, but I, I don't think location changes. Why that's disrespectful. Now, people can say, oh, you're not allowed to disrespect. No, I'm not saying you aren't allowed, but it's like anything. If you do something, there is a chance there's going to be repercussions for what you do. Is that fair? Right? Consequences to your actions. Right? On, on any level, there's consequences to your actions. So you can say, well... Like why was he doing why was he winding up for a clapper that would be my question what was his purpose to do it if it wasn't to to showboat and irritate the opposition which I'm totally fine with but there's nothing else he was he could have been doing by doing that there's no need for it right so and by the way I love it I love that he did it I would like to see more animosity in the NHL I think it's actually better for the game. You look at the other sports. Like, now, not much happens. But look at, like, and people, like, the biggest fallacy going is when they call it a ba- uh, a bench-clearing brawl. Because, you know, no one, like, just say, okay, they emptied the benches and everybody hugged. Because that's what happens 99% of the time. But you look at baseball. Brushback pitches. They get on guys. Like, there is some animosity in the game. NBA has it. The NHL, which is the most physical of the sports, at that speed, to me, I, I think having some uncontrolled emotions every now and then is fine. I don't want, I don't want the old school where guys are standing there swinging their sticks at each other, right, clubbing guys over the head like Ted Green. No, thank you. I don't need that. But man, you got. You want to wind up and take a clapper and empty net, then turn around and face the music? Awesome. I love it. When we come back, it wasn't that long ago that people suggested they uh, really missed Eric Biennemi, the uh, former offensive coordinator, that uh, Travis Kelsey was nearing the end. He was in love and he couldn't focus, which is somewhat laughable. And here we are now and the Kansas City Chiefs have their third championship in 5 years. They've been to the last four of the last five Super Bowls. And they're already saying, "Hey, let's do something that no one's ever done in the NFL," which is win 3 consecutive championships. It's obviously really hard to do. Right? We had a lot of people texting, "Hey guys, I thought the Steelers did it." No, the Steelers didn't do it. If you go back, uh in uh, Green Bay won the first two Super Bowls. Right? Miami won in 73 and 74. Pittsburgh won in 75 and 76. Then they won again in 79 and 80. Uh, then you got to go the uh, the next time you had uh, somebody win consecutive was with the Cowboys in 93 and 94. Right? Cowboys did actually win three and four years. Then the Denver Broncos won back-to-back in 98 and 99. Patriots won back-to-back in 2004 and 2005. And now the Chiefs. It's hard to just win two in a row. There's no question they're a dynasty. It's impossible to say they're not a dynasty by the NFL standards. But uh, they could do something no one else has ever done. But it's going to be really hard. It'll be fun to watch next year. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to uh, Matt about the uh, Super Bowl and uh, where I think the game was lost by the 49ers. I think there's a few obvious plays where it was lost by them. We'll get to that and more when we return The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 326, welcome back. Monday afternoon. Maybe, uh, well, probably not. Maybe you're listening, but uh, if you're like Patrick Mahomes, you're in uh, Disneyland right now. So there you go, the MVP uh, there. And then, of course, uh, Wednesday will be in KC for the big parade. And then they will uh, talk about uh, maybe restructuring his contract to give them the best chance to become the first ever NFL team to 3 Pete. Why not? It's quite the goal to have. See how it goes. Let's get to the uh, NFL report brought to you by Matt Vernaram, senior uh, writer at, uh, the, for the NFL for Sports Illustrated, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, where the rates never change. If all of a sudden your furnace conks out tonight, early in the morning, doesn't matter. Call them, no overtime charges. I'll tell you about the legacy at Legacy Heating dot c a and uh matt uh it the second half in overtime was great uh, the first half uh, it was like they needed a shot of usher uh, to get them uh, rolling but you know what this one was close and for the second consecutive year the uh, kansas city chiefs uh, come back from a 10 uh, point deficit to uh, win the super bowl uh pretty impressive
0: yeah um you're right in mean, the first half of the game really i thought the, the storyline especially looking back on it is the fact that the 49ers could have buried Kansas City. Yeah, They really could have. I mean, they're you know, they up 10-3 at half, and it almost felt like impending doom for San Francisco. Like, If you can put away Mahomes and company, you better do it. The Niners had three straight possessions to start the second half. Up 10-3, 10-3, and 10-6. And if they score a touchdown, obviously, in any of those, are it's a two-score lead, and Mahomes is about twenty, you know, 25 minutes to work with, depending on which drive we're talking about. The Niners went three and out on all of them and gained negative two yards. I mean, that to me, if you're a Niners fan, if you're a player, a coach, that's where you're sick. You look at that stretch and say, came out of half. Mahomes makes the only big mistake he made all night. is a horrible throw for an interception. Had Kelsey open, missed him, overthrows him, gets picked off. The Niners get the ball at the Chiefs 44-yard line and do nothing. And then get the ball back two more times still with the lead yes, and did nothing. And then obviously there's the, the special teams gap where the punt hits off a guy's leg, and the game just changed. I mean, at that point, the Chiefs never punted again. They had four drives, they had 19 points, um, and, and things got, got away from San Francisco.
2: Yeah. Like that, it's rare. I don't know, and I know you do a lot of number crunching, man. Like how often does a team go three and out on three consecutive series in the NFL?
0: For, for a team of San Francisco's caliber, it's extremely rare. Yeah. I mean that's something that probably happens to them, you know, a couple times a year, um, and that really is kind of the story of the Chiefs' this season. Yeah. I think we look at them, and there is this: hey, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Andy Reid, it's Travis Kelsey, and God knows that's true. But they won the Super Bowl this year because of the defense, and then and then Patrick Mahomes sprinkled in, and Kelsey sprinkled in, and obviously, look, I mean, Mahomes has an outsized importance for every game based on the position he plays, but. The Chiefs won that game because defensively they held in there long enough to allow that offense to start to find itself. And again, I you know I, I look and I say that game. If you're a Niners fan, you could go to the coin toss. You could you could go to you know a, a handful of different plays throughout the game. You know, the third and four with two minutes left. There were certain moments, and that that two-minute warning play it was certainly one of them. You had an opportunity to, to bury them. To end them, to beat them, and they they couldn't do it. And it, you know, I think it's it's so reminiscent of the of the past with Brady, where you had maybe if you were lucky a half dozen plays a game, where you have to execute them, and if you don't, you're not gonna win. And I thought that was true last night in Las Vegas.
2: The uh, the Chiefs, you know what? Hey, Patrick Mahomes, well-deserving of the MVP because you can't give it to a defense. But, man, the defense, we've outlined it here, Matt, in the first few minutes of this interview, how important they were in the first and then how important they were in the second. And funny, that's really been the story of the Chiefs. Like, when you talk about, hey, you know what? If you don't have... You have to. If you don't have a dominant quarterback, then you need an elite defense, right? Like if we, if we go back to the right. when Tampa Bay won, not with Brady, the other one with Johnson, and then you look back when uh, um, Balt, uh, not Baltimore, yeah, Baltimore won with uh, without an elite quarterback, and so you can say. But the Chiefs right now they have an elite quarterback, and they had an elite defense this year, so we probably really shouldn't be surprised they won.
0: No, I mean honestly, that was the reason I picked them. Was I figured you have Mahomes with a better defense? Now the Niners, to their credit their defense stepped up in a way it hadn't in, in months and i thought played really really well i mean i look, i don't know what else you could ask them they, they held the chiefs to three points for almost three quarters you know they gave up the touchdown but it's off a muff punt I mean, you know it's basically a special team score um and then i think by the end of the game they were gassed i think both defenses were gassed you know by the end of the game you could just kind of see it i mean it's a weird thing i went back and looked at the, the the team stats last night I couldn't believe something. I'm, I mean, the Chiefs had 455 yards of offense in that game. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure as heck didn't feel like it watching the game, but they did. You know, now obviously, of course, you you see my extra drive because of overtime, but you know, they had 455 yards. Uh, they were nine of 19 on third down. Now it's a credit to the 49ers that they even had to execute 19 third downs. It's by far the most they faced this year, but they were very good on it. You know, and and I think, you know, they were they were great in the red zone. I mean, ultimately, the Niners, the Chiefs got into the red zone six times last night. The Niners only got there twice. But the Chiefs were two of six in the red zone. The, they, the defense deserves a lot of credit for San Francisco. The problem was they just, they faced a team that also can play great defense. And in the end, they faced a quarterback that wasn't going to be denied late in the game.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes in that game, There was a few times where he could have thrown Like a 50-50 ball He elected not to um, you know, he did have the one interception. I know it's his only interception in seven games. And, and to me, it was more like, it's like, just the play calling from the Chiefs, the creativity at times, you know, the, they, they have the one court. Everybody thinks, Oh, here we're going to hand it off to uh, uh, Clyde Hilaire. And all that happens is Mahomes runs out wide open down the field, right? Then then you see Herdman wide open on the, on the game winning touchdown. Just like Andy Reid, their offensive play calling in Mahomes. And and really, even, Herdman, the timing of that motion play, man, probably shouldn't be overlooked. Like, it was perfectly timed.
0: It was. It was. I, you know, look, the the Chiefs offense struggled for a huge chunks of that game, which is kind of a microcosm of the season. Mm-hmm. But, again, and this goes back to not the harp on it, but the opportunity cost of the Niners. Like, you know with that guy near the side of the ball, at some point it's coming. It, it may take three quarters, but it, it's at some point – He's going to make a play. They're going to make a play. Think about the Super Bowl these two teams played in a handful of years ago. I mean, the Niners gave up 10 points for 53 minutes and then gave up 21 points in seven minutes. <laughs> it, it, you, like, at yeah. some point, it's coming. They know that better than anybody. Yeah. And in that game, you know, I thought a lot, frankly, like Super Bowl 54, the Niners' pass rush was awesome early. Yes. As the game went on. It kind of slowed down. And part of that gives the Chiefs credit. I think they made some adjustments. Part of that is it's hard to rush the quarterback for, I believe, the Chiefs of the ball for 37 minutes.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, at some juncture, you're not going to get the same rush you got on the first 10, 15 pass rush snaps of the game. And so, you know, in the end, yeah, the, the, the play of the Hardman, Mahomes makes sure he clears the edge, makes a perfect throw. But there are so many plays on that drive, whether it's Mahomes scrambling, to, you know, to keep the game going to fourth and one or on third and it was either one or two. He ran for another like 13 yards to get him in the red zone. I mean, it's just that drive as it went on, had the feeling of inevitability where you were like, yeah, the Niners barring some miracle here. They're losing. Like he's going to put this ball in the end zone. And he did.
2: Matt Vernon Jordan. So Matt, now we focus on the off season in the NFL and, uh, you you know, there's tons of free agents. You look at the Chiefs. Obviously, Jones uh, is a big one. Sneed, uh, I think, would be another one. Uh, there are some, right now, fairly big-name receivers that could become available. right? Um, you know, Mike Evans. A lot of people think, hey, that would be ideal. Do you see the Chiefs going out and, uh, and getting a, a free agent receiver,
0: a big-name one? You know, it's interesting. I-, I think they'll certainly be in the market. Um, Brett Veach has shown that he's got a price and he's going to stick to it. Um, ask Tyree Hill, yeah, they weren't going to like they just were not going to go over a certain price point. And when you get into free agency and you get into these guys who are top tier guys, the reality is a lot of those guys get paid, and in a lot of cases get overpaid, and in two years are cap casualties because they got overpaid. And So. You know, the other part of it, too, is like a guy like a T. Higgins, a guy like Michael Pittman Jr., are they going to really get the free agency or are they going to get tagged? You know, so there's a ton of receivers coming out this year in the draft. Um, Top 100 guys. I mean, there might be as many as 10 receivers who go in the top 100. I I think the Chiefs will sign somebody who is a good receiver, a Tyler Boyd, a Darnell Mooney, someone on that second tier. And then I think they'll also draft a receiver in the first three rounds. So um, I think they look at Rasheed Rice as a number one. They still have Kelsey. Uh, look, if, if they get a good price, if they could find somebody, like if Mike Evans becomes available for some reason they they feel like they can get him at a good rate, sure. But my guess is Mike Evans is going to get paid top dollar. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to pay top dollar. I think, again, they'd go for more of that second tier. Yeah. Maybe a guy even like a Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, someone in that range more than maybe that guy was getting like 25 million plus a year
2: what about jones um like how big of a loss do you think that would be i would think it would be fairly large but they've lost guys before and they've found ways to win
0: well i think two things are true at once i mean it would be a huge loss He's, he's a hall of fame defensive player at the same point like do i still think they'd win probably 12 or 13 games yeah probably I mean, if Mahomes is upright and breathing, they're going to win 12 or 13 games. They just are. I mean, that's, that's where we're at with this team. Um, I I think, though, you know, this is going to be a very interesting offseason for them. You know, and, and they're weird, because when you look at them, I you know, think over over the cap hasn't projected like $24 million in space. They can cut MVS, which they're going to do, and they're going to save $12 million bucks. And they can extend Justin Reed, which I think is much in play, and save money there. And then... They have all these mechanisms in Mahomes' contract that the two of them built in together where the Chiefs could trigger uh, a restructure that kind of pushes money down the line and save them $37 million in cap space. Yeah. I mean, they they could basically snap their fingers with that restructure and MVS, and now they go from twenty-four to $74 million. So there's a world where they just say, look, we're going to pay Jones, we're going to pay Snead, um, you know, they'll keep one of tranquil and gay. Um, you know, maybe they keep Mike Dan on the cheap after having seven and a half sacks this year. And they go out and they sign a decent receiver. And they're, they're pretty much reloaded defensively with the same team and they have a better offense. It's, you know, it, it sounds unfair after watching the team win back-to-back Super Bowls, but I think that's in place. It really just depends how aggressive V wants to be and, and how willing he is To spend what is going to be significant money, Jones is going to be north of twenty-five a year, and talking to people around the league, my guess is Sneed is right around fifteen a year. So, um, what is it? You know, what what are they willing to do? But they can do these things. It just kind of comes down to, okay, are you willing to outlay that kind of money?
2: When you look at this crop of free agents, and I guess some could sign between now and uh, and now and free agency, it's possible some might, but every year. Matt, uh, there's always a few that are the, you know, everybody likes them and they get oh, they get a huge ticket and never live up to it. Who are your guys you think this year they're going to be the big name tickets that aren't going to live up to? It?
0: I think Chase Young is one of those guys who's a candidate for that for me. Like, he almost kind of reminds me of Randy Gregory, which is ironic because they both played for 49ers last night. Mm-hmm. Um, where Gregory got 5-70 and 70 from Denver, and I remember like I had to write something on that for Fanside at the time. I looked up his his numbers, and he had 16 and a half sacks his entire career and got $70 million. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, really? Like, Is that accurate? And I went and I looked it up at another site. Yep, 16 and a half sacks. I talked to a a litany of people in the business, agents, people in front offices, for a piece that SI is going to release here in a little bit, the top 50 free agents in the NFL. And we got projections for a host of these guys. All right. I mean, the projection I got for Chase Young was over hundred million dollars, which I, I just was floored by. But the, the reasoning was, Hey, look, man, he's, he's a pass rusher. He was a second overall pick. He's got a big name. Like if he plays well in the playoffs, some team's going to pay him. And I, I think that's a crazy number. Oh. But then again, like you see those things happen. Like yeah. you see it happen all the time where some team just goes, yeah, Bud Dupree, 75 million, sign me up. Like it's, I, I think the hundred million is high personally, but like, would I be shocked if some team gave him you know, four and sixty-five or five and seventy-five? Now, I, I think that would probably be a mistake, but I I'll, also could definitely see it happening.
2: Because I watched Chase Young, and like to me, he just like I don't recall him ever being that thick before. Am, am I wrong on that? No, he wasn't.
0: Yeah, he wasn't. He, he was. He's a lot bigger. And by the way, on the offensive side of the ball, the one other guy. They, I'm not trying to pick on him, but gabe davis is the guy who strikes me like we were talking about these receivers earlier yeah i i would i wouldn't go near gabe davis for any kind of real money no you you played with josh allen and had games where you would just completely disappear off stage of the earth yeah and now you're telling me you're going to go sign with like arizona and be better that that would scare the daylights out of me but some team is going to see him and say hey we can fix this, and he's young, and he's got a big frame. Let's give him twenty million a year. Mm-hmm. I I am always extremely hesitant on these guys who are in really good situations. Look, I think T Higgins is a great player. I'd be hesitant to give T Higgins twenty five million dollars a year. Like, yes, you're on an offense with Jamar Chase. Yes, and you have Joe Burrow. Like, what happens if he? You know, like, look, his offensive coordinator went to Tennessee. What if he goes to Tennessee? And he's got Will Levis throwing him the ball. Like, then what happens? Like, is he still a guy? Yeah, it's just so much of this stuff is tied into hey what's your situation yeah. you know I, I think that really is something to be factored in
2: oh i'm totally with you i'm always amazed by you know now you know now there's some guys who leave and go other places and they're just great tyree kill is probably a prime example yes. of that right like he was an elite talent but there's not a lot of tyree kills out there and uh, the gabe sure davis not. one i think is a great is a great example matt and it's uh so if you're the chiefs and uh, you know, now we're hearing that they might restructure Mahomes' deal to to free them up some cap space. Um like is is if you had to re sign Sneed or Jones, you know, assuming at, at fair market value, who do you think is more important and who do you think they would get done?
0: More important is a really hard part of that. I I think Jones is probably more important because he can just wreck a game. Mm-hmm. Like there is just games where you just can't block him, yeah. and the game's over. But I think they'd be more likely to sign Sneed because Sneed is probably going to cost sixty percent of what Jones costs, and he's four years younger than him. Yeah, um, and he just had a great year. I mean, Sneed, look, I thought of all the guys who got stubbed for all-pro teams. Well, Jerry Sneed was the top guy. Like the, the fact that he didn't get named an all-pro this year. Like I've watched every stitch. Of Kansas City's football season, and Trent McDuffie, and he showed it last night. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. When Jerry Sneed was better this year, like flat, and they were traveling him with the number one corner every single game. Yeah. So I think with the Chiefs, uh, both of them are essential, and I expect that the Chiefs are going to try to retain them both. But if I had to pick, and I think there is a very real world they only bring back one of them. Uh, I, I think Sneed is more likely to be back than Jones.
2: Matt, will Bill Belichick coach again?
0: Yeah, I think he will, but I, I also would say that it's it's far from a guarantee. Yeah, um, you know, look to be 72, and the hard thing is you got to find the right situation. I know it sounds funny because, you're like, well, come on, Bill Belichick, like how, you know, how could you not find the right situation? But if you're a team and you are looking for a head coach, you're probably a team that's not very good. I mean, it just you know, you're probably rebuilding. You're probably reloading do you want to bring in a 72-year-old head coach to do that? You know, I mean, that's the part of this. I think Bill wants to coach. I don't understand any question about that. But can you find the right situation? My guess is there will be one or two that come up in the next year or so that he'll latch on to. I thought Dallas or Philadelphia would be the spots, honestly. If he had an opportunity for one of those jobs, I think that would have been perfect because you go in there, hey, listen, we're trying to win right now, next two to three years, and then Bill rides off into the sunset. Um, but that's the thing. Like I think he definitely wants to coach. The right. question is, Is th- does the situation arise that works out for the team as well? Yeah,
2: that's fair. Matt, great stuff, man. We really appreciate it. When is that uh, top free agent? When's it coming out?
0: That's a great question. I'll have to ask my editor. But it's... Uh... <laughs> I, I believe it'll. I believe it'll be out this week. I think uh, okay. it's coming out this so week. Top fifty free agents and each team, uh, or excuse me, each guy there's a projection. I think thirty of them are projected by agents around the league. So okay. it, it should be uh, a good read.
2: Okay, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, hey, no problem. Take care. There you go. That's uh, Matt Verder. That is. That's going to be a must read, man. I'm pumped. That Gabe Davis. That's a really good example. Acons. Eh, like uh, Gabe Davis, uh, Chase Young. <laughs> Like, I watched Chase Young, and I I thought he had a good game. But, man, there was lots of games of 49ers. You're like, meh, he's okay. And uh, he rarely had to face double teams. That's the other thing. right? Like, look at the guys he's playing with. right? Like, you should look a little bit better then. So, um, yeah, the Gabe Davis one is fascinating to me. And and even some of the receivers, like, T. Higgins is a really good number two. Is he a number one? There's a big difference when you got to face the other team's best shutdown corner guys all the time. This is different. So we'll see. Quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We got a lot of text to get to at 833 401 1440 in our E, well, inbox. That's E W E L dot C A. Your local electrical distributor. Always adding a little, uh, Electrifying elements to the show here on Sports 1440. 350 on Sports 1440. Owners Nation, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. Hey guys, I'm curious. He uh, always seems to never be talked about, but uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins' play as of late? Uh, gets a ride shotgun by McDavid. No one ever talks about it. He hasn't done anything five on five. Is that a concern for us moving forward? I think, well, first of all, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has never been a really, you know, big time point producer five on five. So not that I give him a free pass for it, but I, I don't have high expectations that, that he is going to, you know, uh, light the lamp a significant amount five on five. He just, he's never really done it. Right. Um, he, he has what he's got like you know 20 last year was his best 5 on 5 season of his career right but but not and he scored 104 points which was infinitely higher than ever keep in mind he scored 105 points last year his previous career high was 69 he scored 39 points 5 on 5 his previous career high was 37 and he had 34 twice so it wasn't like you know why he just came out of nowhere and was just killing it like he scored 16 goals 5 on 5 his previous highs were uh, 15 twice so he's on pace for, for 13 five on five goals, which is, you know, still better than a lot of his years, right? So I, I don't think he's been awful lately. He hasn't been as productive. That's fair. So I wouldn't say all year, but I would say lately, yes, he's in a little bit of a funk five on five. I think that's fair. I think it's accurate. He is still on pace for about 35 points, which is, you know what? Best year was 30 well, now it's 39, but he's at 39, 37, 34, multiple times. So if he gets there at this stage of his career, I, like I'm not going yeah I'm, I'm not going to jump on Nugent Hopkins. he if, if you're expecting him to and just because you play with McDavid doesn't guarantee you instant success. That has been proven time and time and time and time and time again. Zach Hyman's worked really hard to improve his goal scoring ability. Now playing with McDavid helps, but Zach Hyman put in the work to improve it himself around the net. Right. So I give him credit for it, but look at a lot of the guys who have played with New- McDavid who don't just light it up because, well, I just get to play with McDavid and I go to the net with my stick on the ice. Like everybody says it. If it was that easy, then anyone would do it. It's not that easy. So N- Nugent Hopkins kind of is what he is, right? I think he's a good complementary top six forward. He's a good penalty killer. He's a really good power play guy. That's what he is, right? Five million dollar player. He's good value for your team. I don't think like Nugent Hopkins, ideally, you don't want him going 12. Is it 12? Might even be 13 games without a goal five on five. That's fair, but you'll have ebbs and flows. Nugent Hopkins, I would say this. Yeah, you'd like him to get going a little bit, right? That's what, that's what I would say. You just, you just want him to get going. The thing is, is actually shooting the puck way more five on five this year. Last year, he had 117 shots in 82 games. Five on five. He already has 75 in only 48 games this year. So he's shooting it more. Just, uh, like a lot of the guys, um, you know, his shooting percentage last year was 13.68, second highest of his career at five on five. And this year it's at, uh, it's at 9.88. Kind of back to around more where normal is for him, but he's shooting more. So when you're shooting more, you should be scoring a little bit more. So you could argue he's, he's a good represent, representative. Of the Oilers overall at five on five, as a team, they got a lot of guys who aren't producing as much based on the amount of quality chances they're getting. Their team is creating a lot five on five; they're just not scoring. And and Nugent Hopkins would be in that category. And right? like Zach Hyman is probably the one guy in the orders when you look and say, okay, at five on five, man, like I can't expect much more from him, right? Well, maybe Warren Fogle too. He's already got nine goals. Five on five. So that's, you know, that's pretty good for him. Right. Ryan McLeod has eight. Now he's a younger guy. So you'd like to think he's going to keep improving. But those two guys are good. Now they've slowed down a bit lately, but that was expected. Right. Like Warren Fogle wasn't going to be the like, what was that stretch? I think in January was 13 points in 13 games or there was a stretch where he had 13 points in 13 games, five on five, like great. But McDavid isn't a point a game guy. Five on five. Over the course of every season, it's hard, really hard to be a point of game player five on five, man, it's like ridiculously hard. So the fact that Fogel did it for 13 games, unreal, but we knew that that was going to stop. I, I wouldn't change the top line. And right now, the second line is going. I, I'm confident that McDavid, Hyman and Nugent Hopkins will, you know, will their production will will be at the level that you would like. Sooner than later. I still would like to see Connor McDavid shooting more. Like, his shots per game have increased every year. Here for the last six seasons. Except this year. This year he's down. Now, not a massive amount. Like, last year he had 209 shots, 5-on-5 in 82 games. He had 104 so far this year in 46. So do the math, right? It's a little bit below. But... He's still, you know, he's kind of where he was. You know, he's shooting more than he was still in 19 and 20, which is good. But we'd seen the progression for him. And, and this year so far, and, and five on five is just one thing. But if you look at, at all strengths for McDavid so far, his uh, his shot per game is, uh, is down. Right? He's got 157 shots. Last year he had on 352. Right? Like they just went up. They went up every year. For the last, I think, five. Unshot per game. Because not just shots, because obviously there was a 56-game season, and then there was the 64-game season. So I'm talking shots per game. He's had an increase. And this year, for the first year, that might slow down. Now, could he get hot? Maybe. But if you watch him, he for whatever reason, he's not as confident as he showed last year in shooting the puck. You'll see him in a good shooting area, and then he'll... Try to force a pass. So, So yeah, I don't, uh, yeah.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times.
2: I'm not worried about McDavid's game, but I will say, like watching the game in LA, how many times you're like, oh, honestly, i honestly, I don't know if I'd seen Connor McDavid. Now the ice might might have been bad; that was probably played a factor in it. But just like little mishandles of the puck that you just don't see from him very often. Like it's he's that good that when he has a game like that, it stands out, which is crazy. Because most guys, you know, could bobble the puck three or four times a game, you wouldn't even think twice about it. Well, McDavid, it, it's like, oh my, what is wrong? It's a really off night for him. So it happens. Hey, guys, I'm curious who Connor thinks his Chargers are going to get after listening to Matt. By the way, that was a great rundown of the Super Bowl. Love that you guys can talk as in-depth about football as you do hockey and other sports.
1: Thanks from Daniel. We're talking free agency or draft here? Free agency. Oh, that's it's going to be tough. I mean, they have a lot of money invested in Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joey Bosa, and Khalil Mack. I think they will release Mike Williams' attempt to trade one of the two pass rushers, likely Bosa, because of his injury problems. And then, uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to try to build this one, you know, from the lines, I believe. And there's been some interest in Saquon Barkley. If you believe the reports that they might want to take a shot there, get a legit running back, a guy who could run in between the tackles. Cause I don't think they've had that, uh, maybe since Melvin Gordon left four, four do, years ago. Do you think that's needed? I, I think they need to establish the run. I think they need to be a more physical team. Like they, the, The run game for the Chargers for a long time hasn't been legit. Like, Austin Eckler occasionally might bust one. He's better out of the backfield as a receiver. In my opinion, I don't think they've had a good, strong guy that can, you know, really wear defenses down. In a long time. And I think that's what Jim Harbaugh wants to do. I think he wants to make sure he's got a couple backs in there. One might be drafted. One might be through free agency. Looks like there's going to be a few names out there at the running back position as well. So that's what I think they're going to look to do for sure. Uh, got to get some, some toughness on the defensive side of the ball as well. Too many times they're, they're not being able to make that first tackle. So for me, I think free agency, it's going to be making the team a little more intimidating, a little more tough and, uh, you know, try to establish a little more dominance at the line of scrimmage which they haven't had in a while. So I think that'll be the goal.
2: God, I thought we were having an earthquake in studio here. The street the sweep cleaner guy comes by, my whole
1: thing's shaking. What is happening?
2: What the guy got that thing turned on? Supersonic power? Holy cow. I never felt that before. It's too funny. It's just like,
1: yo, what are we having an earthquake here? It's nuts. Super clean out there now. Yeah, it's going to be
2: super clean. Go lick off the floor. <laughs> hey guys, the NHL is trying to be all nice with hits and all, but I agree. They need to embrace the rivalry and setting these teams up like WWE sets up for the hero in the heel. Uh, filthy from Calgary. Hey, I, I, I've said this all along. When COVID hit and then you played the 56 game season and you played two or three games back to back against teams because they wanted to reduce travel, right? It was genius. But now they don't do it. And I'm like, why? It would cut down on player fatigue. It cuts down on travel. Right? Think about it. If, if you fly in to, to uh, Anaheim, right? You fly in, you play the Ducks twice. Then you could play the Kings twice. And then you could fly home on a four-game road trip. Right? You've played four games. You've had a flight there and a flight home. Instead... They'll go out to the West Coast, and they'll fly into Anaheim and L.A. Now, so there's one flight. But sometimes they don't even play them both at the same time. They try to, but sometimes they don't. Then they'll go to San Jose. Then they'll go to Arizona, and they come home. I'm like, why? Why not have two games in San Jose? Now, I get that you like the East and West isn't going to work. Fine. And it's not going to work with all the Central teams. Fine. But why not have at least... 20% of your game's like this, right? And, and they do it. I think it's Dallas and Seattle, and there's a few other teams that are doing it, so you can do it. Heck, San Jose and Toronto played a home and away this year, which is quite comical considering how far apart they are. But my point is you had it set up for you. The home days, like if you're in a homestand and you're an Oiler fan and you know on Monday they're playing Vancouver and then, oh, Wednesday, Arizona comes in. What if it's Vancouver Monday and Vancouver again on Wednesday? You can't tell me there's not more hype. There's not more excitement. Might be a little bit more trash talk, a little bit more rot, but just it's excitement. It builds it up. Do it a few times a year. Like this is such an easy thing. And it's actually better for your players. It's actually better for the environment if we want to get into green. I don't understand why they don't. Like, you can't give me any good rational counterpoint as to why they don't do it. That's what boggles my mind. I understand you can't do every game. I'm not saying every game. Heck, just start at 20%. That's a pretty significant increase.
1: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because rust new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from rust Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science... Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made ByHeart a better formula for formula. Learn more at ByHeart.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching.